Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to tonight's show. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, Tony Defio. If I didn't say it already, I said it twice. All right. And I thank you for joining me on this fine, cold Friday evening in Pittsburgh and wherever you are in Steeler Nation. And as I always say, I hope it's nice and warm and tropical wherever you are in, on this uh, fine planet of ours. If you're a Steeler fan or not a Steeler fan. I wish warm weather for everybody. So I hope that for you. And I please want to ask you to like and subscribe to our Behind the Still Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show. On Mondays, we have The Hangover with Shannon White and Brian Anthony Davis and yours truly. Tuesday, we have The Scobro Show with Rich Schofield and Dave Schofield. Wednesday, we have The Curtain Call in the off-season. It's the off-season now. We have The Curtain Call with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White. Thursday, we had the preview with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis. Earlier on Friday, you saw Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. We have We Run the North. That's in the, in, during the regular season. Now it's called The Homies Show with uh, Kevin Tate and his buddies, and, and they do a great job. Check that out. Uh, State of the Steelers is another show. I, I believe it's a live show. We have that for you uh and you can catch all those shows on facebook also live and you can catch those shows after the fact on any audio platform anywhere you can find podcasts you can behind you can find behind still curtains podcasting family and please check out our audio only shows including let's ride with jeff hartman the war room with maddie peverall what you talking about with kyle christ the steelers Fix Jeremy Betson, Andrew Wilbar, Bad Language with Brian. Um, what else we have? Uh, from beginning one or two. The staff uh, that I mentioned from the cutting room floor with Jeffrey. That's another great show. So please check those out on any audio platform of your choosing, and please check out Behind the Curtain website. We bring you news, we bring you commentary, and we bring you film breakdown and a bunch of other stuff. It's it's the hardest working Steelers site on the net, and you will not be sorry. 
All right, let's check out the live chat. And who do we have? Who was first? Jared Devil was first. Good, good job, Jared Devil. Kathy Ford, always a close second if she's not first. George Tested, who I haven't seen in a while. Welcome, George. Uh, let's see. Sherry Richards is with us. She says, What's up, Tony? Brian Brown, always with us. Uh, Jennifer's with us. Jennifer Pruser is with us. Still Chick 46. Uh, Just Me is with us tonight. And that's it for now. But I thank you all for joining me. And I can't wait to have a great show with you tonight. And let's talk about the news of the week. And that is the the uh, return of Matt Canada for 2023 as the Steelers offensive coordinator. Um, would it have necessarily been my move? I'm on the fence about that. If you would ask me over the first half of the year, I would have said no, heck no. In fact, I said it many times uh, on a podcast like this one. Uh, but if you're asking me now, after what I saw over the last nine games with offense improved, how can he pick it improved? Then I guess I can kind of see their logic in Canada around for at least one more year. You know, uh, as we talked about many times, you have to be very careful in those cases with how you handle a rookie quarterback. And you can't jerk them around too much with different coaches, different systems, different playbooks, different games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it could really hurt their development. And I'm not saying that would be the case with Kenny Pickett, but I am saying the potential is there with every time you uh, with every every big move you make in his young development, there's a potential for you to delay that or they 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 their third down conversion rate was much better. The offensive line was much better. Um, the time, time of possession was much better. The point total wasn't a whole lot better, which was a problem, but everything else improved. And you can see sort of the, the potential there for more with that offense. As I pointed out a couple weeks ago, I saw as much on that JT O'Sullivan 30-minute film breakdown of Kenny Pickett's game against the Ravens uh, in the next last game of the season and how – even on the plays where Pickett rolled out and, and made and made uh, excellent uh, throws on the move, there were plays within the structure of the offense that he could have made if he would have trusted his protection more. You know, so uh, in other words, there, there seems to be more meat on that bone when it comes to Mac Canada's offense. I'm not saying there is or not. It, it just I'm just saying there appears to be the potential for for the, the ability to do more. And, you know, we have to factor in the Mike Tomlin uh, influence, what he wanted Matt Canada to do with uh, first with Mr. Biskey, because it was really conservative with him, too. And then certainly with Kenny Pickett uh, from week four on what he wanted to do with that offense with a rookie quarterback at the helm. And it was clear that he wanted to be uh, really conservative, play it close to the vest, uh, keep the game close, uh, minimize mistakes try to uh, uh, control the game with the defense and, and the running game and win it in the end if need be. And that was the formula they, fought, they followed all year. And 
wasn't quite successful in the beginning of the year when they had a much tougher schedule, but certainly it was much more successful over the last nine games when the schedule eased up a bit and they seemed to improve as, as an entire unit, beginning with the offensive line, the passing game, the running game, everything appeared to improve at least a little bit. Some things improved much more than others, including the line and the running game. Other things improved slightly the passing game and Kenny, you know, Kenny Pickett, he proved not, I wouldn't say he made leaps and bounds or he, he didn't make major leaps and bounds from beginning to end, but he did improve steadily as the year went on. So I can see the logic there um, in bringing Canada back for one more year. And also I've always been somebody who, who believed that really it's about the players. It's about the personnel. It's about the talent that you have. And, you know, the, this whole thing with offensive coordinators and Steelers fans goes back, as far as I'm concerned, it goes back to Bruce Arians because that's when I really started paying attention to fan opinions when it came to, to coordinators, offensive coordinators especially. And that's because that's when social media really became a big thing in the late 00s when Bruce Arians was the, was the OC of the, of, of the team. And if you remember when he took over for Ken Wisenhunt in 2007, Mike Tomlin's first year, uh, that's when the offensive line that was really good through Super Bowl 40 kind of started to, to, to regress. You know, Jeff Hardings was gone. It was Alan Fanica's last year here. Marvel Smith was getting older and the line was starting to, to break down a bit. And we saw it full fledged in 08. I mean, that line was the epitome of makeshift in 08 and again in 09. And that was, you know, Bruce Arians first three years as a coordinator. And I think in 08 and 09, the line combined to allow like a hundred sacks at Ben Roethlisberger. So, you know, but even, even during that time, when, when, when the line really struggled and the offense struggled at times, there was enough firepower on that offense with Ben in his prime, of course, and Heinz Ward, a borderline hall of famer, Santonio Holmes, like Ward, a, a, a Super Bowl MVP, Heath Miller, Willie Parker, and then Rashard Mendenhall. I mean, you had, had a, a really good offense, and, and they were able to do damage, even though the line was uh, falling apart. The, the 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 offense still managed to, to to be potent at times, but it wasn't enough for for people. And and the, the the cries for Arians to be fired could be heard as far back as 0708. I remember going to the the uh, kickoff game in 09, the year after they won their last Super Bowl. And within 10 minutes of the game starting, somebody in my section was trashing Arians and saying, this is why I bleeping hate, hate Arians. So, you know, it started right away with Arians. And by 2011, uh, everybody wanted him gone and they got their wish. Art II um, came out publicly that he wanted Roethlisberger to tweak his game in order to, to uh, lengthen his career. Uh, he wanted him to get rid of the ball faster. You know, that was, that was always a part of Ben's game, holding onto the ball, making things happen, moving around in the pocket. And, and Art II wanted that to change. And there was also the, uh, the, the strong opinion that, that Ben and Arians were too close. You know, they went on vacation together. They golfed together. They were friends. I mean, it, it, it doesn't mean they didn't scream at each other. According to Ben and Arians, they, they had many shouting matches. But as far as the, 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 the public was concerned and the media, 
they were too close. And, you know, if you remember 2011, that was the year that, that Tom Brady and Bill O'Brien got in, got into that very famous uh, shouting match on the sidelines in Washington. And rumor has it that the Rooney saw that and they said, well, if Tom Brady uh, isn't above a tongue lashing from his OC, then Ben doesn't need a buddy to be his OC. So uh, it was uh, determined they were going to make a move there. They made a move. They decided on Todd Haley, who had a pretty decent track record. He was the, he was the OC of the, uh, the Cardinals during their uh, run to Super Bowl 43. He did a great job. Uh, with uh, Kurt Warner and, and, and Larry Fitzgerald and, and, and um, I forget the other guy's name. It's the offseason. I forget names. But anyway, it was a great, it was a great offense. And, and, and then he got promoted to a head coach. He went, he got the job in Kansas City, lasted a couple of years there. And then he was available to be the OC here. And, you know, the rumor was he was a, he was a disciplinarian. He was a taskmaster. He was hard to work with. He wasn't somebody who was, who was a player's buddy. And, uh, you know, to his credit, to Haley's credit, he eventually got that offense turned around. It, it wasn't, it was a slow start, but, but eventually it was one of the best in the league by the mid 2010s. But, but what happened around the same time that Haley came in for Arians, they started rebuilding that offensive line. They, they brought in Pouncey in 2010. They brought in Marcus Gilbert in 2011. They drafted the Castro in 2012. Ramon Foster was promoted to a full-time starter by 2011. Um, you know, by 2014, Mike Munchak, regarded by many as the best O-line coach of this generation, was hired. Uh, you know, they, they discovered Al Villanueva and made him a, a, a left tackle, meaning, you know, Munchak developed him into that. He developed Gilbert in one of the best right tackles in the NFL. So, that Antonio Brown became a star around 2012. That's when he became a star. Uh, they drafted Le'Veon Bell in 2013. Um, they, they, they were able to draft Martavis Bryant in, in the fourth round. Uh, so all of a sudden, this offense that, that was really deficient on the offensive line, they had aging players like Heinz Ward at receiver. Uh, they, were, they had just lost Mendenhall in, at the end of 2011 with the um, torn ACL. So they were without a... a, a a uh, franchise, you know, a bell cow running back in 2012, even though Arians wasn't here in 2012, they, they went out and decided to bring Bell in. So all of a sudden they had talent at every level again, like all pro talent at every level. The line, Heath Miller, one of the best tight ends in team, or maybe the best tight end in team history, obviously Ben, the future Hall of Famer. Brown was playing at a Hall of Fame level by 2013. Bell looked like he was on his way to having a Hall of Fame career. So all of a sudden, Haley had all this talent to work with. And I'm not saying he wasn't a good coordinator, because, again, he had a good track record. But, you know, he, he made the most of the, of, of the talent that he had. And he, he turned that offense in, into one of the best in the NFL. And there was a time there where they were averaging 30 points a game over six, seven, eight weeks back in 2015. It was just maybe the best Steelers offense I've ever seen, that 2015 offense. So, you know, uh, but the problem was, again, Haley was tough to work with. Uh, ben didn't like him. Uh, and then, you know, making matters worse, there, there, were, there were, by 2017, there were, there were questions about Haley's uh, play calling and, and, and situationally. They, they struggled in the red zone. That combined with his relationship with Ben, that was enough to want the fans, uh, or for the fans, want him gone. 
and boom, he was gone after 2017. Randy Fickner, who was a longtime member of the staff, quarterbacks coach, receivers coach, he was promoted. Ben liked him. And what do you know? 2018, the offense was still pretty good, even though Randy Fickner had no experience. And he may have, may or may not have been over, in over his head, but he was able to work with uh, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Huster, who was there in the second season by that point. Uh, he had his best year of his career in, in 2018, 111 catches, 1,400 yards, I believe. So, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell was gone by that point, but James Conner had a great second year here. You know, so Fichter did a, a great job in, in, in 2018. In, in fact, he did a better job than Haley did at, at calling plays inside the red zone at the goal line. Ben led the uh, league in, in, uh, in passing yards that year. So Fickton was back for 2019. But what happened in the offseason? Brown imploded. They traded him. Two games into 2019, Ben gets hurt out for the year. Suddenly, the killer bees were gone, right? No Bell, no Brown, no Ben. And you're left with uh, Mason Rudolph. Then Duck Hodges. Juju's the number one receiver. But, you know, he wasn't up for it quite then. But maybe he was, but who knows, because he had two inexperienced quarterbacks throwing him the ball. Uh, Fickner had these guys to work with and suddenly, you know, he didn't know what he was doing. He, he was, he was an idiot. He was in over his head. Uh, people were questioning his, his, uh, his plan. What's the plan? Why can't he, why can't he, he, he utilize the strengths of Rudolph and Hodges? Why can't he devise a game plan to, to, to get these guys to play at their best? Well, maybe he was, and they just weren't up for it, you know? Uh, and then 2020 rolls around, Ben's back, but he's clearly a shell of his former self. Uh, the offense is really potent over the first half of the year, but as people were quick to point out that year and or at that time, uh, it was smoke and mirrors. And by the end of the year, they were found out. Ben Ben couldn't the line suddenly got old at once. Ben's arm wasn't what it was, and and uh, plus you had this 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 intriguing quarterbacks coach in Matt Canada. Uh, uh, as uh, on, on your on your staff now, so by the end of the year, Fichter, everybody wanted Fichter gone. He was gone. Canada's promoted, uh, but 2021 was no better. Why? Because Ben was still old, and even though the line was was revamped, it was nowhere near good enough. And it was actually even worse last year in 2021, I should say, than it was in 2020. Uh, 2022 rolls around. Canada's still here, but it's a totally new offense. A totally. Uh, 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 new offensive system without Ben in there. You have, you have Trubisky and then, and then Pickett as your, as your quarterback. You made more changes on the line, right? Uh, no more Juju, right? Now it's uh, De- Deontay Johnson and Claypool and George Pickens, and you got a new running back and with Najee Harris, he's coming into year two. You have a new tight end uh, and Pat Fryermuth. So, you know, it's a, it's a slow start. Um, the line struggles mightily early on. But again, it's a young line, and you added two new pieces in Mason Cole and, 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 and Daniels, and and over the course of the year, the line gets better, uh, and the offense gets a little bit better over the course of the year. The question is, um, can Canada take these guys and 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 get the most out of them? And to me, I think that all depends on what, how Kenny Pickett develops, because if Kenny Pickett develops into a franchise type quarterback, well, that's going to, that's going to do most of the heavy lifting for that offense. And, you know, I'm not saying Matt Canada is going to go on to be this offensive guru, 
but I'm pretty sure he can call a pretty good game if the offensive line uh, becomes a, a strength, if Pickett is a franchise quarterback, if Najee Harris continues to be a thousand-yard rusher, and if George Pickens turns into a number one receiver and Frymuth turns into a star, then I'm pretty sure Canada's going to know what to do with those guys. So to me, it all comes down to talent, right? And 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 uh, would, uh, would Todd Haley have been able to do much with – the 2021 Steelers or the 2022 Steelers, right? Um, uh, and what he been able to do a whole lot with the 2008, 2009, 2010 Steelers with that, with that bad line. Would Bruce Arians have been able to, to do a lot with the Steelers offense of, of the mid 2010s and his track record says he would have, because he went to Indi- Indianapolis, did a great job there with a lot, a lot of offensive talent, Andrew Luck, etc. He went to uh, Arizona did a great job there. Lots of lots of offensive firepower. Then he goes to Tampa Bay, went to Super Bowl. Tom Brady, lots of offensive firepower. Great team all around. So to me, it comes back to talent. And and um, if 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 Kenny Pickett maxes out his potential, then he's going to be able to lift up any offensive coordinator and, and turn him into a pretty good coach. So that's all I wanted to say about uh, that part of the Matt Canada discussion. And at the 21 minute mark, I will take this time to let you at home hear a word from our sponsors. Don't go away. I'll be right back. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to part two of this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, Tony Defio. And before I continue, I want to I want to highlight um, um Excuse me, Chick 46, who says she's drinking a glass of wine, long work week. I can relate. In fact, I'm starting a new uh, job in a couple of weeks or the week after next. So, uh, you know, who knows what that's going to entail. I'm really excited about it, but I definitely know what long work weeks are all about. And I can, I can cer- certainly understand the appeal of having a nice glass of wine on a Friday evening when the weekend beckons. So keep enjoying there, Chiller Chick. All right. Let's talk about some more Matt Canada. And that's um, the article I wrote on Friday and why I wrote it. Why did I write that article? Quite simply, my gosh, you know, I've seen it all over these last 13 years. Writing for Behind the Still Curtain, writing about the Steelers, doing podcasts now. And it's just like, you see, the, like people don't realize, like, I think even my fellow writers of Behind the Still Curtain, certainly a lot of the readers, I've heard it all three or four or five times over these last 13 years. Everything you can call me, I've been called, good and bad. Every story that could be reha- that could be told, I've seen it told, right? Every opinion, good and bad, I've seen it over and over again. So you just see this stuff and you're like, man, uh, why does everything always go back to the offensive coordinator? You know, so you know, I, I wrote what I wrote on Friday for that reason alone. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, we've had these same arguments over and over again for 15 years. And, uh, you know, for people to, to get all up in arms about, about them retaining an OC or, or any coach and having that ruin their day, it just, it doesn't make any sense. You know, why would you, why would you let something like this affect your mood so much? Right. You know, and this whole idea of firing coaches, like this whole, this discussion, you know, when I was growing up, even into like, my 30s when i was a man 
like you didn't talk about firing coaches all that much. Yeah, sure. It came up every now and then. It certainly came up from time to time. But like now it's all anybody ever talks about. Oh, you know, should this guy be fired? Should it be on the hot seat? You know, turn on the fan, turn on any radio show in town or even a podcast. Count the seconds uh, until they until they mention Mad Canada's name. You know how many times I've turned on the fan this week, and the first thing that I heard was Matt Canada, Matt and or Canada, some variation of that, right? Every time, it's like you can't get away from it. You know, like it's the off season now. It's 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 the Penguins are playing. Pitt basketball is doing really well in in uh, in, uh, in the ACC. They're six and two. Right. And it's all Steelers, 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 Steelers. You know, when I first got into this back in 2010, I did it because I wanted to fill a void because I was like so depressed that the 09 season was over. They missed the playoffs. I had a girlfriend at the time, a woman I thought I was going to marry. But it wasn't, you know, obviously I, I was still it wasn't the only thing I needed in my life. I needed something else. Uh, so I found this. Because back then, you know, you needed an outlet if you want to talk football. Now so people talk about football all year round, you know, so, you know, that's why I wrote what I wrote on Friday. Cause I wanted to rehash for everybody. The, 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 um, the history with OCs and all this other stuff. And, 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 you know, I don't necessarily believe in karma, good or bad, but it is funny that, you know, so many times in the past, when it was around this point, when people were fed up with an OC, they got rid of them. Uh, and this, this time, people were probably more fed up with Canada than they've ever been fed up with any OC and they kept them around. So it just felt like a good thing to write about to kind of say like, aha to people, even though I don't really, again, I don't have a strong opinion about Canada as far as wanting to stick around or go. But uh, it's just, it's just funny that, that, that that's just a constant, constant um, thing on people's minds, you know, and now that they've made their decision, now that they've made their decision and they've decided to stick with them for one more year, at least one more year, I think we should, we should just move move past it. Never mention the guy's name again. Easier said than I know. Probably not going to happen. But I think it'd be a great thing. You know, uh, we, we could pick up the Matt Canada discussion again in, in training camp. Uh, and then the preseason, uh, you know, let's see what, 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 how full Pickett's plate is this summer coming up. Uh, what does he look like? Uh, how, how did his first off season of, of growth go? You know, what did he, what did he learn? What is, what, what, what are they going to allow him to do? Then maybe we could focus on Matt, Matt Canada again, but to spend another eight or nine months talking about Matt Canada and whether or not he should be fired. And how can the Steelers do this? How can they be so, so uh, stuck in their ways and, and accepting mediocrity, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm glad they made a decision that they made as far as is uh, keeping them for one reason. And that's because I don't want to uh, like a month or two of um, speculating on who they're going to bring in and you know, all these big names that people are going to throw around or, or, or up and coming names and then have everybody be disappointed when they bring in somebody that nobody likes. Right. So I'm kind of glad they, they made the decision on Canada and now we can move on. Please let us move on from Matt Canada. If anybody was was insulted by or offended by my article on Friday, just name me one time that I that I ever pointed out to, or made fun of anybody specifically in my articles. No, what I make fun of is groupthink. 
And I think the group think with Steeler fans, sometimes it's just ridiculous and absurd and it's comedy gold. And I got to make fun of it and believe him. And, and, and I got news for you. I'm going to keep doing that. So deal with it. I have a super chat. Y'all, you need to know about what people think of me, I guess, but I haven't had a, uh, a super chat in a while. But I, I thank you for it, and I got to find it, and I got to find my benefactor. Here we are. It's Victor Asher, who donates $5 to the cause, and I thank you, Victor. Or Victory Asher, I'm sorry. Victory Asher. And he says, Tony, we have the talent, but we need a strong left tackle. Kenny has already had two concussions. Canada should take advantage of play action post routes. Well, I agree with that. I agree. That's one thing that, that was lacking from, and, and, and annoyingly so, from the 2022 attack, play action passes. Why? I don't know. Like everybody who knows offense, and I'm not one of those people, but the people I, I, I trust who know offense, they know that that play action passes, especially, uh, make life easier for quarterbacks. And 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 um, they were running the ball so well over the second half of the year, you would think they would try to utilize that more. But again, we don't know if this is if this is uh, Matt Canada's doing or, or or Mike Tomlin saying, let's just stick with what we're doing because we don't want to put too much on Pickett's plate. Let's let's keep the game close, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, they're going to have to open things up eventually. They're going to have to give Kenny Pickett more to do. Uh, and, and, and that starts with some of the things that Victory mentioned, play action pass, more post routes, uh, uh, deeper, deeper passes, and not just passes down the sideline, but pa- deep passes over the middle of the field. Like we saw in that Ravens game uh, when he hit uh, uh, Steven Sims 28 yards downfield in that game-winning drive. Best pass of, of uh, Pickett's career. He looked fa- and he, it, it wasn't like he was running on the run or anything. What, Five-step drop, seven-step drop, whatever it was. He just sat back there uh, and let it loose, and it was, it, was a, it was a laser right to Sims. So, you know, more of those kind of passes uh, and more of those kind of um, schemes need to be part of this offense next year, uh, you know, with Matt Canada. You know, if you trust Pickett at all, if you believe in Pickett, then you have to start opening things up for him. So, all right, let's see. Let's talk about those playoffs. And uh, I thought last week's wildcard weekend was pretty, um, pretty interesting. Um, as I wrote about this week, I was, I was happy to see the Ravens lose. Uh, I don't like the Ravens. I'm not a big fan. I'm not. A, I, it's mainly because of John Harbaugh. I've never been a big fan of John Harbaugh. You know, I kind of felt bad in an article. I, I ca- called out Terrell Suggs and, and, and kind of lumped him in there with uh, Pac-Man Jones and, and Vontez Perfect. But, you know, and even Ray Lewis, who ha- who's had a sketchy pass for re- off the field. Um, but I actually Suggs is kind of like the Heinz Ward of the Ravens, as far as like the Ravens-Steelers um, rivalry. He's somebody that, that you hate when he's on the other team, but if he was on your team, you'd love him. And Terrell Suggs never did anything um, but kick Ben Roethlisberger's butt <laughs> whenever he whenever he was in his prime. So, you know, I probably shouldn't have lumped Suggs in there with those other guys because he seems like a good dude, somebody that you wouldn't mind cheering for if he was on your team. But he's a Raven, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't rooting for him then. But overall, I don't like the Ravens. I don't like the Ravens. Never did. 
you know, like the the hype that they get, the love that they seem to get from national media and the local fans, the Steeler fans, you know, the whole, the, the grass is always greener crowd, you know, John Harbaugh, you know, he's won two division titles since his last Super Bowl uh, 10 years ago. Uh, they've been to the playoffs like five times. They won two playoff games. You know, people are har- harping on Mike Tomlin winning three playoff games in 12 years. And that's, a, that's rightfully so. That's, that's not a good track record for him. But why do they automatically assume that Harbaugh's a better coach? You know, they, they do the whole less is more thing with him. Uh, and, and Tomlin does more with less. That, that, that whole, or less with more and more, whatever I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say. Harbaugh does more with less, Tomlin less with more, blah, 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 right? You know, so that just irritated. So it was it was fun to see them go down and and, and lose in Cincinnati. Um, the, the 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 Jaguars game against the Chargers that win was just crazy to, uh, to be down twenty seven nothing and to come back and win that game. I mean, that was a even though Trevor Lawrence played a, a pretty uh, uneven game, uh, multiple interceptions early on. Uh, he had a, he had his coming out moment later uh, in, in that game when he when he helped them come back and win. And as far as the Chargers are concerned, my goodness, like I wrote about, you know, this team has had four franchise quarterbacks since 1973. 39 years worth of franchise quarterback play since 1973, and they've been to the playoffs 12 times. They won eight division titles. They've been to three AFC championship games. And they've won zero, or they've been to zero Super Bowls. So it goes back to what I said in the past, uh, going back to the 04 draft and the reason why Eli Manning did not want to go to San Diego. Had things been switched up and Ben wound up in San Diego or Eli wound up in San Diego, I'm almost positive that those guys wouldn't have won a Super Bowl, but had. Had Eli wound up in Pittsburgh or Phillip Rivers wound up in New York, those teams being the teams that they are, the organizations that they are, they would have found a way to win Super Bowls with, with those guys. Like say Phillip Rivers was, was in Pittsburgh, they probably would have won a Super Bowl or two with him. Uh, if Ben was in New York, uh, they probably would have won a Super Bowl or two with him. That's just what, that's just what good organizations do. And the Chargers have always been an organization that seems to come up short when everybody's picking it to 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 um to to win a championship, so uh, the the Bills game, uh, I was shocked that the Dolphins hung in there with them with Skylar Thompson. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say I was shocked. I wasn't shocked um, because it's a division rival. I expected it to be kind of a close game. Uh, before it started, but then once the Bills jumped out to a 17-0 lead, I expected them to just totally blow out the Dolphins, but the, uh, the Dolphins have just so much talent, even though they, they're deficient on um, a quarterback right now, that they were able to make a game of it. And you, remember, they beat the Bills earlier in the year, so um, that was a good game, but the Bills advanced. Um as far as the NFC, I was not shocked that the Giants beat the Vikings. The Vikings were, to me, a paper champion all year. Um, so many one-score games that they won, even though they won 13 games. And, you know, they got blown out way too many times for a good team uh, to, in, in one year. Usually good teams will get blown out 
even once, but they got blown up multiple times. And they had to come back from a 33-0 deficit at home to the Colts. So I was not shocked that the Giants went in there and beat and beat them. Um, who else? Uh, the 49ers taking care of the Seahawks. Not a shock. The 49ers have a good thing going on right now. And, and the Cowboys uh, beating up the, the Buccaneers in Tampa was not a shock. I expected that. Uh, one thing I'll say about, about that game, uh, some storylines from that game, is Tom Brady's probably done in Tampa. And, you know, there, there are people speculating on where he's going to wind up next. You know, do you want to be that team? I don't care who you are. Do you want to be that team that has the Tom Brady that finally falls off the cliff? Because it's going to happen. And the longer he plays, uh, the bigger the chance that he's going to fall off a cliff and age is going to finally catch up to him. I don't care how much he works out in the offseason. I don't care what he, what he does with his diet. Eventually, uh, father time's going to catch up to him. And do you want to be that team? You know, I heard speculation that, that he might go to Miami. Really? Does Miami want to do that? And I realized Tua had some scary concussion issues in 2022. But if he can, if he can ever overcome that, he showed you last year that he can be a really good quarterback in the NFL, maybe even a great one. And he certainly has the firepower to be an all-pro quarterback. Do you want to bring in Tom Brady uh, to that situation and, and possibly ruin everything? You know, do you want to be uh, where else? Like the, the, the Raiders? I mean, I mean, uh, to me, it's time. You know, if you if you already have a good. Uh, quarterback on your roster, a good young quarterback that you think you feel you know, could give you a, uh, you, you could develop into something. Why would you want to mess with Tom Brady for tickets, for, uh, for notoriety, for relevancy? I don't know. To me, it, 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 you know, it's time to move on from Tom Brady. It's time to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I wouldn't pick, I wouldn't take him on anymore either. You know, and I think if we learned any lesson from the whole, 2022 offseason with, uh, oh, the Steelers have to sign or trade for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Be careful what you what you wish for, because can you imagine if they would have made either one of those trades, bringing in Aaron Rodgers for multiple first-round picks, plus paying him $45 million a year, or doing the same thing with, with uh, Russell Wilson and paying him around that much per year? I mean, you talk about setting your franchise back. You know, uh, the Broncos are going to have a heck of a time coming back from from uh, from that trade that they made. And the Packers are going to have a heck of a time getting out from underneath uh, uh, Rogers' contract, you know. So, uh, but as far as the other side of that, of, of that Cowboys-Buccaneers game, you know, I, I thought it was kind of reckless for people to go after the, the Cowboys kicker, especially a lot of former players on Twitter, Brett Maurer, Ma- Brett Maher, I should say, Brett Maher, uh, missed four extra points, you know. And there were people on Twitter, including players, accusing Maher of point shaving, which that's a hell of an accusation to make, especially if you're a former player, you know. You know, I, I looked into Maher, you know, his, his first career, I wrote it down. Uh, he's 94, of, he's, he's converted 94 of 116 field goal attempts and 128 of 134 extra points in a regular season, I'm assuming. Uh, so for him to miss four in one game, you know, that was uh, that was quite, quite uh, a head scratcher. Uh, 
But I also looked at his uh, his salary, and he made in 2022 $965,000. So how much could anybody offer a guy like that? Any player in today's day and age. Any player in today's day and age. How much could anybody offer a modern NFL player to, to shave points or to throw a game? And, and why would a player making nearly a million dollars a year, a kicker, why would he put his his uh, career at risk and, and, and his life? Because you can go to jail for stuff like that. It's happened in the past. So why would anybody uh, uh, in today's day and age? I could see back in, 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 in the old days when players had to, had to um, part-time jobs in the offseason. But, uh, but why would you do that? How could you convince a, a, a modern professional athlete to to to, to throw a game or, or to to uh, shave points? You know, and you know you see this out there all the time. Like, you know, somebody accused uh, the refs of of rigging the game. You know, for the Jaguars against the Chargers, and you see this stuff all the time. People convinced that the NFL or, or whatever at, uh, league you want to mention is rigged. If you truly think any sport is rigged, why do you watch? You know, if I thought the NFL was rigged or fixed, I wouldn't watch anymore. What fun would that be? Like I always say, it's the, sports is the, it's the last uh, great reality TV show, right? Or maybe the only great rea- reality TV show. So if you thought it was fixed, why would you, why would you watch it? You know, I, I read an article once years ago. I said the reason why boxing fell in popularity was because of the the uh, the public's um, awareness of head trauma or, or their sudden compassion for for athletes with head trauma or concern, I should say. Sadly, it wasn't because of that. It was because they believed that the fix was always in with boxing, so they 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 quit watching it. Which there's a lot of evidence that the fix was always in with boxing in a lot of a lot of uh, matches. So why would the NFL, why, why would, why would you even um, continue to watch a sport that you thought was fixed? To me, that's just a bunch of junk that people say when their team loses. And, you know, for, for, for former athletes to, to, to accuse somebody of that, to me, it's just, to me, that's, that's, that goes above and beyond irresponsible. So anyway, as far as this week, weekend's playoffs, I'm really looking forward to the Cowboys and 49ers, uh, Divisional round matchup. To me, that's NFL royalty. Somebody asked me the other day what games I was looking forward to in, in, in the uh, divisional round, and I said 49ers and Cowboys. The history between those two teams in the playoffs, it's so rich. It's so just historically significant. You know, you look at what you know, these two teams went out in the early 70s in the playoffs, and the Cowboys uh, basically sent the 49ers into a tailspin because they uh, they beat them so many times in the early 70s in the playoffs there was one game i think it was 1972 the 49ers were up at home 28 to 13 in the divisional round and the cowboys came back and went with roger staubach you know but then you fast forward to 1981 and you have the catch and it was kind of you know the, the two franchises were trending in opposite directions you know the cowboys were so good for so long but they were kind of coming to the tail end of their dynasty and they had a, they would have a couple more years after that, but the catch kind of signals a shift. 
And of course, the 49ers became the team of the 80s uh, because of the, after winning that, that uh, 1991 NFC Championship game. You fast forward 10 more years, 11 more years, and the Cowboys went into candlestick and uh, they ended the 49ers dynasty. And, and they started one of their own by winning the 90, 1992 NFC Championship game. And then they beat the 49ers the following year in the same game in Dallas. And then the 49ers returned to favor in 1994 in the NFC Championship game. So, you know, to me, when these two teams get together, you know, it, it's just such a, it just brings back such great memories for me as a you know, young kid and then a, a young adult watching them play in the playoffs. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to um, the, uh, the Bengals and Bills. I think that's going to be one heck of a game, especially with everything that happened with Demar Hamlin towards the end of the regular season. You know, uh, I look for the, I think the Bills could win this game. Obviously, I think, you know, they're going to be certainly motivated uh, to get back uh, to the AFC or to get to the AFC championship game for the second time in three years. You know, they lost in this round last year to the Chiefs in overtime. So I think they're, they're going to be, be motivated to, to, to get past the Bengals, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, discount the Bengals. I mean, they, they're, they're, in, they're injury depleted on the offensive line or they're, or they're, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a hindrance for them, but they seem to know how to win these kind of games. You know, uh, Joe Burrow seems to have a knack for winning these kind of games. So I wouldn't be a sh- I wouldn't be shocked if they won. In fact, you know, somebody asked me the other day who, who I expected to make it to the Super Bowl, and I just blurted out the Cowboys and the Bengals. Those are the first two teams that came to me. So um, I'm not saying I'm rooting for the Bengals, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won and, and advanced uh, the AFC Championship game. Speaking of the AFC Championship game, if it's if it's the Bills and the Chiefs, because of everything that happened with Lamar Hamlin and, and – that game being being canceled. If those two teams meet in the AFC Championship game, it will be, it will be played at a neutral site in Atlanta uh, the following week. Um, and I have no problem with that. I think you know that that's that's a good compromise that the league made. However, there are rumors, and Mike Florio kind of started this rumor that. Uh, the league might look at this as a primer and as a as a, a way to make all these championship games neutral site games. And to me, I could see it for this year. I have no problem with it, but to make it an annual thing, I think that's that's unfair to the fans of these of, of these teams, like the home teams that make it, you know, or, or the teams that would would be at home in this game. I think it's very unfair, and it's just another money grab for the NFL. Um, you know, say you're a season ticket holder and Pittsburgh makes it the AFC championship game next year or the year after whatever. And you have to travel to, I don't know, Miami or something like some, you you know, in addition to to paying the freight for the ticket, now you have to pay for travel um, to get to Miami or to get to Atlanta or to get to wherever they're going to have this game. I don't think that's fair. And I think it it, it takes away uh, a big advantage for a team in the playoffs, you know, that's what these teams are fighting for all year to buy and then home field advantage. And you're going to take that away. That's not, that's not cool. So I hope the NFL 
uh, doesn't go through with that plan. If it is a plan, if it is, if that rumor is, has any uh, legs, I hope they don't go through with it. So that's all I have to say about, about anything tonight. And I will round up the show by taking some questions and comments. This one from Brian Brown talking about Pickett's best pass of 2022. And he says, the pass Najee against Baltimore is pretty sweet. That was that had me jumping out of my seat, rolling to his left, hitting Najee in the end zone. Looked like Patrick Mahomes, Chris Collinsworth pointed out. Uh, Brian Baldinger mentioned that in the offseason, that he has that kind of trait. You heard a lot about Pickett's ability to throw on a run. So, yeah, that was was definitely a contender for Pickett's best play of the year for sure. All right, what else do we have here? Just me says I respectfully respectfully love the Steelers. I think we all do. Some some might not show it the right way, but I think we all do. And this one is from Sherry Richards, who says the Chargers went to one Super Bowl in 1994, and they may have well not have shown up. 49ers killed them. Yeah, that was one of the biggest mismatches in Super Bowl history. That's here at the uh, Chargers Ken three over stadium with Stan Humphreys as the quarterback and beat Pittsburgh. Uh, and really, I mean, they had no, they had no right even being anywhere near the Super Bowl. but that's Pittsburgh's fault. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't get the job done that day. And uh, let's see what else we have. Claude Bishop says of Tom Brady, Father Tom cut up to him last week. I mean, I think it, I think it, I think it did, but but he's he seems determined to continue to play. Now his marriage is over. You know, he has nobody to answer to it with that in that regard. His kids, his kids are, are still really young, so it's not like he has to answer to them, really. You know, so I think he's going to keep trying to play. This one is from Brian Brown. This says the local channels are talking about the Jaguars like they won the Super Bowl. They're going to get mollywhopped by KC. You're probably right. But I think it was a, uh, you know, this is a um, a good a good spotlight for, for Lawrence. I mean, even if they lose, if he has a good game, I mean, I think the talent's there. It's, it's quite evident that he has the talent to be a top-notch quarterback in the NFL. He, he just has to put it all together. And the Jaguars made great strides in 2022. But getting back to that, like the whole the fix is in thing, somebody on behind the curtain mentioned during uh, in the comment section of my Chargers article that the Chargers got screwed because the game was rigged. Why on earth would anybody in the NFL rig a game in favor of the Jaguars, who, like, you know, they might be the least popular team in the NFL. They might have the worst fan support in the NFL. Why would anybody rig a game in their favor. You know, anything you want the Chargers to keep going because they, they're from L.A. They got the L.A. market. They got a, a quarterback who's just as, as, as high profile as Lawrence and Justin Herbert. They're, they're everybody's sexy pick. You know, why wouldn't you want, why would you, if you're going to rig the game for anybody, why wouldn't you rig it in favor of the Chargers? That, that whole, the game is fixed, rigged thing. That's just poppycock. Malarkey. So check for Denver four years due to the Wilson trade. I agree. I mean, it's a big risk. I mean, if you, if you make that move, it better 
it better pay off. Or, you know, you look at the Rams, all the, all the maneuverings they did. They won the Super Bowl, but now they might be hurting for a few years. Of course, they had a lot of injuries last year. That might have contributed. But certainly, they're not going to have many draft picks to, to, to fill any needs over the next uh, few years. All right. Chick 46 asks, didn't Mari get cut? No, he didn't. Last I heard, he was still uh, he was still on, on the team. Uh, in fact, the coach said they won, they, they needed him ready for the uh, divisional round. All right. Claude Bishop says, if Brett Maher and his, his potentially missing four extra points on purpose, gambling problem or blackmail, anything is possible? I mean, it, it could be. I mean, who knows? I mean, but if it, but if it's not true, I mean, to say that, you know, I'm talking about the, the, the players, especially to say that, I mean, my gosh, you know, that's a heck of an accusation. If not, if it's, if it's, you know, not true. Thanks. Mean Joe says, this is my thoughts. Exactly. If I wanted to watch rig sports, I'd watch wrestling. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want to watch any sport that I think is fixed. I just wouldn't watch anymore. What would be the fun of that? It wouldn't be any fun. I could watch scripted TV, which is my favorite thing anyway, when sports isn't on. So this one is from Brian Brown. I can think of a few times the Steelers got hosed by the refs that make me wonder. I don't think the games are rigged though. What the games are, they're officiated by human beings. Human beings that have so much minutiae to, to, to wade through, so much crap to wade through in games now because of instant replay and all these rule changes every year that the company they're you know they 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 change another rule and they, they, they another point of emphasis and they never let these guys and girls breathe these officials they 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 they, 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 they constantly have so much stuff to, to to think about like this year it was the uh, illegal man downfield. That was like the that was like the the, the point of em- emphasis this year. How many times did it, did it get called? It's, it's ridiculous. So, I think that's really what the problem is with these a lot of officials is they have so much to to uh, think about during a game that you know it's it's harder for them to to um to, to, to do a good job. But they still do overall. I, I feel like the stuff that they see ninety nine percent of the time that. They don't even need replay for it. It's amazing. George Seston says, Eagles, Tony wants the Eagles to win. Well, I like, I, you know, they're, they're a heck of a, they're, in, they're in a heck of a position. They have, they have the buy and, and they don't have to worry about going to a neutral site if they, if they advance. So, ah, the Cuda 70 says, Tony, you're a Cowboys fan and you know, it. yeah, I, I, I fully admit that I'm a Cowboys fan. I love their story. I love their story. You know, uh, I like how they responded after the Ice Bowl in the late 60s. How many teams lose three or four years in a row like they did in the playoffs? One year tougher than, than the last. And they go on to have the uh, the run that they had. I, th- I think it's I, I just love NFL history, you know, and, and that that Ice Bowl is so fascinating to me because the, the Packers found a way, even though they were the inferior team. And they were on their way out, even though they, they were the team in the 60s. They were clearly on their last leg in that game. Minus 13 degree temperatures. Uh, Lambeau Field, they found a way to pull that out. You know, the heart of a champion. And the Cowboys, they suffered two or three more heartbreaking losses after that. 
believe it or not, up through Super Bowl five. And they still managed to, 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 to stay in the fight. And they became one of the teams of the seventies and into the eighties. So yeah, the Cowboys, but, but, you know, I like the Cowboys. I like the, but I like the Packers history. I like the 49ers history, the Steelers, obviously. I just, I just love history, NFL history. So the Cowboys to me, they're, they're just such a fascinating, uh, uh, story to me you know, as far as, uh, their history. And, and they've been so, you know, they, 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 they haven't even been to the AFC, NFC championship game since 1995, you know, America's team, the highest rated, you know, the highest ratings week in and week out. And, and for them to have this run of futility, to me, it speaks to Jerry Jones and his ego and him wanting to, to uh, be the GM when he should have, he should have handed that job over to somebody else a long time ago. All right. On that note, I think it's time to call it a night. It was such a fun time with you guys. And I felt like I was on my game tonight. Even though I got off to a rocky start, but I felt like I was on my game. I felt like I, I, I was just shooting the breeze, which is the kind of show I like to have. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy those playoffs this weekend. I certainly will. And until I see you on Monday on the Hango with Brian and Shannon, have a great weekend. And as, as always, go stop and check it out.